1: From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, January 26, 2022. Coming up this hour.
2: Futures rise following another roller coaster session on Wall Street.
1: Microsoft shares rebound on optimism over the company's cloud business.
2: Up next, it's all about the Fed as the central bank issues a policy decision today.
1: And President Biden says he has no intention of putting American troops in Ukraine.
3: The second NYPD officer ambushed Friday has died. Plus, there's confusion after a higher New York court reversed. Ruling banning mask mandates. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead.
4: I'm John Stashower in sports. The Nets lost to the Lakers. A win for the Islanders. The Devils lost, and David Ortiz voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130
5: New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington DC, Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app.
2: Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. futures are rebounding this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 47 points, Dow futures up 265, and NASDAQ futures up 235. Ten-year Treasury down 332nds, yield 1.78%, and a yield on the two-year, 1.03%. Nathan?
2: Well, Karen, as you say, futures are rebounding this morning after another roller coaster ride in yesterday's session. Let's get the details live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John.
6: And Nathan, S&P futures right now up 1%. The S&P 500 closed yesterday at the lowest level since October. Technology shares were the biggest losers. Dip buyers did resurface near the end of the day, but that wasn't enough to stop the S&P 500 from posting a 1.2% loss. The index just shy of a correction, closing more than 9% off its record high from three weeks ago. Where do we go from here? Strategists from Goldman Sachs to Citigroup now say the time to jump in is now. Goldman strategists say any further weakness should be seen as a buying opportunity. City strategists say their bear market checklist uh, checklist suggests it's time to buy the dip. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: All right, John, thank you. The volatility continued after hours with the release of Microsoft earnings. And right now, shares are up more than 3% in early trading. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner.
2: The company reported after the bell, and the focus was on the Azure cloud computing business. For the last quarter, revenue at the unit decelerated from the two prior quarters, and that weakened Microsoft shares in late trading.
5: But then on the call with analysts, the company said the Azure sales growth rate would pick up in the current
2: quarter, excluding the impact of currency fluctuations. Shares then recovered. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella has turned the Azure business into a solid number two behind Amazon. Alphabet's Google ranks third, but it's adding resources to catch up. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner. Bloomberg Daybreak. Alright, Doug, thanks. Meantime, shares of Texas Instruments are up more than 4% in early trading. The chip maker beat earnings estimates and gave an upbeat forecast. Up next, earnings continue with about three dozen companies reporting today, including Tesla. We get more on the electric car maker from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. The big focus will be margins and how many vehicles it expects to sell this year. That's after Tesla ramped up
3: production in a big way in 2021 at its Fremont, California plant, also its facilities in Shanghai. It also expanded into Austin, Texas, where it's now headquartered, and into Germany. Also of interest, the latest on its long-awaited Cybertruck. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: Tom, thank you. Outside of earnings, today's key event for markets comes this afternoon. We get a highly anticipated policy decision from the Fed at 2 p.m. And Bloomberg's Michael McKee has more.
7: Fed officials aren't going to be raising the cost of borrowing at this meeting. Instead, they'll suggest interest rates will be going up soon. The Fed's current target rate is essentially zero. Policymakers will try to figure out how much it has to go up in order to bring inflation down to their 2 percent target, but don't expect them to publish a roadmap to how fast and how far rates will move and when and how and by how much the balance sheet will shrink. Expect Chair Jay Powell to say that with geopolitical tensions, supply chain problems and the covid virus ever present, the Fed will have to remain flexible, deciding policy on a meeting by meeting basis. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: All right, Mike, thanks. So it appears the Fed does have a tough road ahead. That's according to Nobel laureate and economist Paul Krugman. He says the central bank needs to slow down the economy but can't move too fast on rates.
7: It sure looks as if the economy has hit the speed limit. Um, but it's that's a call for taking your foot off the gas pedal. It's not a call for slamming on the brakes. And so what they want to do, then, it's the balancing act. How do they sort of you know, get us to level off, to, to slow down a little bit without throwing us into, into a recession?
2: Nobel laureate Paul Krugman made the comments in an interview on Bloomberg Television. Stay tuned for live coverage of today's Fed decision on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. It starts at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television.
1: Well, Nathan, geopolitics also near the top of today's agenda as tensions continue to simmer with Russia and Ukraine. President Biden is indicating there is no plan to send U.S. troops into the country, and Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story.
5: President Biden says he may move troops around and closer to Ukraine to be prepared for any eventuality, but...
8: We have no intention of putting American forces or NATO forces in
5: Ukraine. But uh, we, uh, you know, as I said, there are going to be serious economic consequences if he moves. Biden also says Russia, he believes, understands how much of an
9: enormous
5: deal this is globally and says if Russia invades, he would favor personal
2: sanctions I'm Vladimir Putin in San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. And later today, at the White House, President Biden turns his attention back to his economic agenda, hosting 10 business leaders who will explain how the Build Back Better plan would boost the economy. Among those expected to attend are the CEOs of Ford, General Motors, Microsoft and Salesforce.
1: And on Wall Street today, Nathan, there's a fresh push to retain talent. Bank of America is out with a new plan
0: to keep employees. And we get the details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Bank of America is giving almost all of its employees their share of a $1 billion stock award. It goes to staff making as much as $500,000 a year. That makes about 97% of Bank of America's global workforce eligible. CEO Brian Moynihan says each eligible employee will receive between six and 600 restricted stock units based on compensation. They'll get the full value in March, and shares will vest in equal payments over four years starting in 2023. It's the bank's latest move as competition heats up to attract and retain top talent. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: All right, Renita, thank you. It is 5.07 now on Wall Street. We're at 22 degrees in Central Park. we got a crash on southbound Route 202 by First Avenue and Raritan. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Flags are
3: flying at half staff in New York City. After a police officer gravely wounded last week in a Harlem shooting that killed his partner has also died of his injuries, Officer Wilbert Mora was taken off life support at a Manhattan hospital Four days after a gunman shot him and Officer Jason Rivera as they responded to a domestic disturbance call, Rivera died Friday. Morris' family decided to donate his organs just hours after he died. Leonard Achen is president and CEO of Live On NY, responsible for organ donations for all of New York City.
7: Their son became a NYPD police officer to serve and protect and save lives. And they knew that that was true in his life and they knew that he would want in his death to be able to save lives. h and with
3: Live On NY says people will have a second chance of life thanks to Officer Mora. Chances are rising a powerful storm will sweep the northeast in the U.S. With more on its impact on New York and New Jersey, here's Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carroll. Michael, we're going to be keeping an eye out for a storm system for uh, late Friday into Saturday across the
7: tri-state area. It's going to be a coastal storm developing off of North Carolina. What's up in the air right now is the track of the storm. How close does it come to the coast? Right now, the models are suggesting a track that may be too
3: far to the east to dump a major storm across the uh, city. It looks like uh, snowfall amounts could be on the lighter side. But, again, that still is very much up in the air, and we'll have more details on the track of the storm and how much we may get later in the week. Michael? Rob, thank you, sir. An appeals judge restored New York's mask mandate yesterday after a judge in a lower court Monday ruled that Governor Kathy Hochul's administration lacked the constitutional authority to order people to wear face coverings during the COVID-19 pandemic. Meanwhile, New York State has seen an 86 percent decrease in COVID cases since its January 7th peak. Governor Hochul says, though, deaths and hospitalizations remain elevated.
0: Two weeks ago, we had over 12,000, almost 13,000 people hospitalized. Now we're down to 9,800. So it's still high, But uh, and we're also still losing our friends and family and our loved ones. 158 people we lost.
3: Governor Hochul. Hoboken residents rejected a $241 million bond measure to build a new high school in a special election yesterday, one of the costliest school construction referendums in New Jersey history. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan.
2: Thanks, Michael. up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good
4: morning, Nathan. The Nets have issues right now. Kevin Durant is injured. Kyrie Irving can't play home games. And a report that James Harden doesn't like living in Brooklyn and will opt out and explore signing with a different team as a free agent next summer. The Nets lost at Barclays, where their record is just 12-12. and Beaten by the Lakers, who came in under 500 106 106-96. LeBron James scored 33 points. So did Harden, who had a triple-double, but not much help. The Knicks play tonight in Miami. The Islanders, after the slow start, have moved over 500. They beat the Flyers 4-3 on a Zach Parise goal. They've won seven of their last nine. The Devils have lost 5-6, of beaten at home by Dallas 5-1. College Hoops, Rick Pitino's Iona Gales are 17-3 with a win at Siena. Rutgers, Fordham, and Columbia all lost. Australian Open, there'll be an American in each of tomorrow morning's two women's semifinal matches. Madison Keys will play the top seed Ash Barty, who has not yet lost a set, and Danielle Collins' Advance. she'll take on Iga Swiatek. She won her quarterfinal match in three sets. It took three hours in 97-degree heat. A phone call placed to the Dominican Republic. This is
0: David
2: Ortiz.
4: He voted in on the first ballot while Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling all fell short in their final year on the ballot. Sean Payton resigned after 16 years as coach of the New Orleans Saints. John stash Bloomberg Sports. Nathan.
2: All right, John, thanks. S&P futures are higher now by 49 points. Dow futures up 279. NASDAQ futures up 249 points. The 10-year Treasury down 330 seconds, yield 1.78% ahead of Fed Decision Day. A preview next with Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine but cold today. Highs in the upper 20s will be near 30 tomorrow. chance for afternoon snow flurries on Friday with a high in the low 30s. Currently 22 degrees in Central Park.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. NASDAQ futures are signaling a sharp rebound as investors return to risk assets. And strategists recommended buying the dip following the sell-off. And this is all ahead of a Federal Reserve interest rate decision as well. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 50 points this morning. Dow futures up 277. And NASDAQ futures up 253, or 1.8%. The DAX in Germany is up 2.2%. 10-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds, yield 1.77 percent. The yield on the two-year, one point oh three percent. Nymex crude oil is up six tenths percent, or fifty-two cents, at eighty-six dollars thirteen cents a barrel. Comex gold is down three tenths percent, or five dollars forty cents, at eighteen forty-nine sixty an ounce. The euro, one point one two eight one against the dollar. British pound, one point three four nine eight. And the yens at 114.17. Bitcoin this morning moving higher at $37,690. Today we are watching for reports on wholesale inventories at 8.30 Wall Street time at 10.00. It's new home sales. And we get the Fed's interest rate decision at 2.00. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning.
3: Good morning, Karen. Fearful of a Russian invasion into Ukraine, the U.S. and NATO allies are ramping up efforts for a diplomatic solution. Today, France will hold a High-level meetings aimed at easing tensions between the two countries. But President Biden is warning the 8,500 U.S. troops on standby to Europe may be deployed sooner than later. Russia denies it plans to invade Ukraine. In the NBA, the Nets and Wizards lost. The Celtics and Warriors won. In the NHL, the Islanders won. The Devils lost. Red Sox great David Ortiz was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in his first turn on the ballot. Steroid-tainted stars Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were denied entry into Cooperstown in their final year under consideration. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan.
2: Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we look ahead to a Federal Reserve policy decision coming down at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Let's get a preview now. Bloomberg Global Economics correspondent Michael McKee is with us in our studios this morning. Mike, good to have you with us. And with all the volatility we've seen in the lead up to this meeting, you've got to wonder what, if anything, the Fed is going to do or say to address it.
7: Probably nothing. Uh, I would imagine mm. that uh, Jay Powell will be asked about it in his news conference. However, when markets go up, markets go down, the Fed can't do a whole lot about that. They only worry if the markets are disrupted, as they were in March of 2020 when they cut rates and nothing was moving. People couldn't sell. People couldn't buy. But as long as you can buy and sell, uh, they leave you to your own devices.
2: But it's very interesting as well to hear from a number of economists who are trying to prod the Fed one way or the other. On the one hand, you've got uh, the likes of uh, Nobel laureate Paul Krugman saying, you know, maybe don't put the brakes on too fast here. And then you have Mohamed el Arian, Bloomberg opinion columnist, writing in the Financial Times yesterday, the Fed should stop asset purchases now. I mean, what's the balance the central bank's got to strike here?
7: Well, that's the question that they're going to be answering around the big table today. Uh, I think that the idea of stopping the uh tapering right now is probably a non-starter uh, for a couple reasons one because they've prepped the markets for it and people have taken positions in terms of uh what they have to absorb and two because the amount of money that's still left for the fed to buy is so small compared it's like about uh 50 billion dollars compared to their almost 9 trillion dollar balance sheet that it really doesn't make a difference and they'd rather be predictable and so uh i would expect them to go ahead Finish the taper, and all eyes will be on the March meeting for a rate announcement.
2: And what is the expectation going in on what the Fed could say about that March meeting? There's a lot of pricing in at this point about whether there's going to be a 25 basis point hike, even a 50 basis point hike. Uh, Could we get some kind of signal from Chairman Powell on what they're thinking?
7: Well, no question that's a question that he will be asked uh, about 25 versus 50. But the 50 basis point idea has sort of faded from people's uh, minds over the last week. Uh, as they consider why the Fed might do it, there are still a lot of potential weaknesses out there. Uh, what happens with China and supply chains because of the COVID variant there, the possibility of a new variant and the geopolitical tensions in Ukraine, all that could mean that the Fed is going to be faced with an economy that is really slowing, and the numbers for this quarter are already not great. So 25 basis points has become the consensus for what they're going to do. The statement has said for months and months uh, we're going to wait until there's substantial progress toward our twin mandates of full employment and Price stability, and now uh, we've got full employment, but we're way above the two percent price stability target. So expect them to say something like, uh, "Conditions have evolved to uh, make a uh, move towards tighter tighter monetary conditions." possible in the next uh, few meetings or sometime soon, a euphemism for March.
2: Mm. In our last minute here, Mike, you know, you're going to be taking part in the news conference. What are you wanting to ask Chairman Powell today?
7: Well, one of the questions is, uh, what is it going to take because, uh, for, the, for the Fed to get this done if they're going to do it? Because most of the problem, according to the Fed, is on the supply side. And the Fed and its interest rates affect demand. And so uh, it isn't clear that raising interest rates is going to cut off inflation, or at least it's going to cut it off without a noticeable effect on the economy. So uh, we'd like to know how they think they're going to do this.
2: All right. Michael McKee, our global economics correspondent for Bloomberg News, will be taking part in the news conference following the Fed Open Market Committee policy decision coming down at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Chairman Powell will be addressing reporters at 2.30. We will have full coverage on this Fed Decision Day in a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance that starts at 1.30 this afternoon, Wall Street time. You can catch it on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television. Ahead of that, futures moving higher in the midst of all the volatility we've seen this week. Right now, S&P futures are up 52 points. Dow futures up 293. NASDAQ futures leading the gains this morning up 1.9% or 267 points. The 10-year Treasury right now is down 432 seconds. The yield uh 1.78% and the yield on the two-year right now. 1.03 percent checking European stocks right now they're surging as well with the German Dax up 2.2 percent so is the CAC in Paris a gain of 2.2 percent and looking at Bitcoin it's on the rise as well close to 38 thousand dollars we'll have much more on the market action ahead of the Fed decision plus a big stock award to retain talent at Bank of America we'll check your top stories of the morning next this is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11:30 weather. Sunshine, upper 20s today. Will be in the thir- uh, around 30 degrees tomorrow. Chance of snow flurries Friday afternoon. Highs in the low 30s right now. 22 in Central Park. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
10: And I'm
1: Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are higher following another roller coaster ride on Wall Street. We get the details live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John.
6: And Karen, S&P futures right now up 1.2%. But global stocks still on course for their worst month since the start of the pandemic. The S&P 500 heading for its worst January on record after yesterday's 1.2% decline. But as the composite index fell 2.3%, but there are signs the sell-off could ease. Wall Street's fear gauge, the VIX, fell from a one-year high, snapping six days of gains. And now strategists from Goldman Sachs to Citigroup say it's time to buy. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: Man, John, it was a roller coaster ride for Microsoft investors as well. After the bell, the stock fell 6% on a revenue decline from its cloud computing business. But on the conference call, Microsoft executives said the Azure business can still drive growth, and that soothed concerns. Right now, Microsoft shares are up nearly 4% in the pre-market.
1: Shares of Texas Instruments up in early trading. The chipmakers earnings and forecasts beat estimates. Up next we get results from about three dozen customers, uh, companies rather, including Tesla. Analysts predict year over year growth approaching 200% for Tesla.
2: Well, today's big agenda item, Karen, is certainly the Federal Reserve. The central bank issues a policy decision and is expected to signal a March rate hike. We get more from Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice.
7: Bloomberg
3: Economics says the Fed's goal is telegraphing a March rate increase, as well as a
5: balance sheet runoff in the aftermath of the COVID-19 economic rescue. Look for the central bank to do so cautiously, noting uncertainty and downside risks to the
3: economic outlook, given the impact of the Omicron wave and whatever may lie next for the coronavirus. Vinita El-Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak.
1: Thank you. And on Wall Street today, there's a fresh push to retain talent, this time from Bank of America. We get the details live from
0: Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Bank of America is giving almost all of its employees their share of a $1 billion stock award. It goes to staff making as much as $500,000 a year. That makes about 97% of Bank of America's global workforce eligible. CEO Brian Moynihan says each eligible employee will receive between 65 and 600 restrictions stock units based on compensation and they'll get the full value in march and shares will vest in equal payments over four years live in new york i'm renita young bloomberg daybreak
2: okay Uh, renita thank you straight ahead we'll check your uh, latest local headlines and sports this is bloomberg At 533 on Wall Street, it's 22 degrees in Central Park. Northbound Route 15 is closed at White Lake Road in Lafayette. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael.
3: Nathan, thank you, sir. President Joe Biden said he would consider personally sanctioning Vladimir Putin if he orders an invasion of Ukraine escalating the U.S. effort to deter the Russian leader from war. President Biden told reporters that there will be action should Russia's president decide to escalate things.
8: Not only in terms of economic consequences and political consequences, but it will be enormous consequences worldwide. This would be the largest, if he were to move in with all those forces, would be the largest invasion since World War II.
3: Russia denies it has any intentions of an invasion. Congressman Sean Kasten of Illinois spoke about the Ukraine crisis and supporting Congress for sanctions.
10: What we're talking about right now is putting, um, you know, putting defensive weapons in place, putting defensive troops in place. And, and and not not declaring war, but making it clear to Putin that there are consequences if he crosses a line.
3: Congressman Caston spoke with Bloomberg's Joe Matthew. Tributes are pouring in for fallen NYPD officer Wilbert Mora. He died yesterday, the second NYPD officer to die in Friday's Harlem shooting. The 27-year-old's organs were donated just hours after he died. Leonard Aitchin is the president and CEO of Live On NY, responsible for organ donations for all of New York City.
7: It's such a tragic, um, tragic story for New York. Um, But people will have a second chance of life thanks to the generosity of the Moore family and Officer Moore.
3: Leonard H. And President and CEO of Live On NY. The chances are rising a powerful storm will sweep the northeast of the U.S. late Friday into Saturday, bringing heavy snow, rain, and winds. It could potentially disrupt air, rail, and road transportation as far south as New York and New Jersey. Hoboken residents turn thumbs down on a $241 million bond measure to build a new high school in a special election Tuesday, one of the costliest school construction referendums in New Jersey history. The bond failed 66% to 34%. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan.
2: Okay, Michael, thanks. Thanks. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stash. All right, Nathan, there had been a debate over whether David
4: Ortiz would make it to the Hall of Fame. He rarely played in the field. He was an average hitter his first six seasons in Minnesota, and he reportedly once failed a test for PEDs. But Big Poppy ends up getting voted in on the first ballot in 14 years in Boston. He was a 10-time All-Star led the Red Sox to three world championships. No one else got in. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Curt Schilling all fell short all in their final year on the ballot. Bonds and Clemens due to the PED. Schilling got 71% last year when he said he didn't want the writers to vote him in, so they didn't. He dropped to 59%. Nets loss to the Lakers at Barclays, 106-96. LeBron James scored 33 points, so did James Harden. He had a triple-double. Not much help with the UBS Arena Islanders and Flyers. 3-3 in the third. One last
7: rush for the Islanders, nine seconds of the man advantage. Brock Nelson
11: over the flyer line. Down the clock with the middle end. Breezy! Kick!
4: WBPN. The 4-3 win moves the Islanders over 500. The Flyers have lost 13 in a row. Devils lost to Dallas 5-1. American Danielle Collins has reached the semifinals of the Australian Open. Stefano Sitzifas into the men's semis, but an upset brewing now. Daniil Medvedev has lost the first two sets to the Canadian. Felix Alger alias Busy week for new Giants general manager Joe Shane. He's already interviewed Dan Quinn and Brian Dayball for the coaching job. Patrick Graham today, Brian Flores tomorrow. The Saints, for the first time since 2006, need a new coach. Sean Payton resigned. John Spasch-Eller, Bloomberg Sports.
2: Okay, John, thank you. It's 5:37 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Park Avenue's office towers
8: are undergoing renovations in an effort to retain tenants. Lever House is embarking on a $100 million overhaul. Dow Jones reports the Seagra building is also undergoing major innovations and in the Park Avenue headquarters of JP Morgan Chase is being rebuilt. New York City will not investigate Elio's, an Upper East Side restaurant, for allowing Sarah Palin to dine indoors Saturday without asking for proof that she had a COVID vaccination. A spokesman for the city tells the Times the incident was not observed by a city inspector. Well, last year, Philip Morris relocated its headquarters from New York City to Stamford. Anti-tobacco activists said the move would be a test of Governor Ned Lamont's support for a ban on flavored vaping products. Lamont says he's still committed to that, but won't guarantee the proposal will be in his midterm budget plan. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business
2: Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world.
0: I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KGRH in Houston. Almost 80% of Americans expect higher inflation in the next six months.
4: I'm Steve Potosk, and on KNX in Los Angeles, we're talking about Activision Blizzard's next three Call of Duty games
3: going to both future owner Microsoft's Xbox and Sony's PlayStation.
0: I'm Caroline Blue Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London. We're reporting that most global finance firms are planning to establish or expand in the UK this year. That's according to EY.
8: I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting online used car sales tools are hot in the auto industry.
2: Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street.
5: The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion.
2: The Democrats'
9: ambitious Build Back Better package has stalled in Congress with little hope of recovery. But the most valuable parts of the plan could still be salvaged. They just need to be recast in a more fiscally responsible form. After all, the most important parts of Build Back Better... Its proposals to fight climate change, reduce child poverty, and expand preschool and child care are valuable on the merits. The problem is that funding them appropriately demands more revenue than the plan originally called for. To bridge the gap, Biden should suggest trimming some outlays and looking elsewhere for additional funds. A plan revised along these lines would still be ambitious, but it would also look better to moderate Democrats and perhaps to a few open-minded Republicans as well. Only then would it stand a chance of actually becoming law. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal.
2: This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPINGO. go. Futures rebounding. S&P futures up 56 points right now. Dow futures up 323 points. And NASDAQ futures are higher. By 277 points, the ten-year treasury is down. 4:30 seconds. The yield 1.78 percent on this Fed decision day. We'll preview it next with BMO senior economist Jennifer Lee. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11:30 weather. Sunny and cold today. Upper 20s will be near 30 tomorrow under sunshine. By Friday afternoon, snow showers possible. Low 30s. Currently clear and 22 degrees in Central Park.
5: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. Stock Index futures on the rise this morning along with European shares ahead of a Federal Reserve decision in which officials are expected to signal plans for tightening policy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 56 points. Dow futures up 320. NASDAQ futures up 272. That's up 1.9%. The DAX in Germany is up 2%. The 10-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds, yield 1.78%. Yield on the two-year, 1.03%. NYMEX crude oil is up 6 tenths percent, or 48 cents, at $86.08 a barrel. COMEX gold down 3 tenths percent, or $5.50 at eighteen forty-nine fifty an ounce. The euro, 1.1279 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3508, and the yens at 114.19. Bitcoin this morning also moving higher at... That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael.
3: Karen, thank you very much. The US and NATO are increasing military commitments to the Baltics and Eastern Europe as fears over Russia invading Ukraine continue to rise. Denmark, France and Spain are all sending or offering to send military assistance to various parts of the continent. Meanwhile, European negotiators meet in Paris today. Russia denies it has any intention to invade even though 100,000 of its troops are at Ukraine's border. In the NBA, the Nets and Wizards lost, the Celtics and Warriors won. In the NHL, the Islanders won, the Devils lost. Red Sox great David Ortiz was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in his first turn on the ballot. Steroid tainted stars Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were denied entry to Cooperstown in their final year under consideration by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg QuickTake, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries.
2: I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks. It's 5:49 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we continue our coverage on this Fed decision day. We're joined. This morning by Jennifer Lee, senior economist at BMO Capital Markets, as we look ahead to the Open Market Committee's decision at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Jen, good morning. A lot of expectation, of course, in the markets for rate hikes and balance sheet tightening this year. What are you looking for from the Fed today?
11: Oh, good morning. You know, okay, I will have to say I love all this central bank stuff as much as the next guy, but I will Uh be very glad when all this is uh, (laughs) out in the open at 2 p.m. Eastern, you know. Um, Our base case scenario right now as it stands is for the Fed to sort of change the forward guidance a little bit and lay the groundwork for rate hikes to start in March, you know, using different language that they probably used in the past, like how they're going to assess progress and, you know, and feel that, you know, the case for an increase. And the fed funds rate has continued to strengthen so we're looking for that to happen and uh and signal that asset purchases will be ending by mid-march and it'll be very interesting by the way to think or to um hear what they're going to talk about in terms of qt as well and finally reducing the balance sheet
2: yeah certainly there's uh, been some discussion about uh, starting the unwind as soon as july do you think we could get further clarity on that
11: We should, Um, I think it was at the last meeting or maybe it was at his nomination uh, hearing in, in January, but he did say that we will start discussing it. Um, at the next meeting so you know um, I'm sure this is uh, this is going to be discussed and uh, he will hopefully give us some hints about what their plans are going to be but I think he said it's going to take a you know a number of meetings to sort of hammer out all the details because it's probably going to be complicated.
2: Do you think the market's getting this right the expectation for four rate hikes this year when the dot plot's still penciling in three?
11: I don't completely trust dot plot. Um, I remember a long time ago Janet Yellen saying you know don't don't Put too much too many of your eggs in the dog pod blast, uh, basket um but i think four rate hikes is, is sort of the consensus view it's certainly our view right now but it's interesting how you know everyone has been uh the market has been uh rushing almost uh adding it going in from like two hikes to three to four and there's even chatter about five right now but i think four sounds like a very reasonable um, number of times to hike
2: what do you think the Fed needs to do if anything to address the volatility we've seen in markets this week? It seems as though market participants are really trying to prod the Fed here. do you think we're going to get any discussion of that from Chairman Powell today
11: um, I think that's a great question and I've asked myself that and uh, um, being by myself here in my home office um I think because of the volatility because of all this new geopolitical risk that you know that, that's 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 heating up you know as if each day goes by i think because of that he will probably um you know again not push back against the market's expectations of about you know three or four rate hikes this year um but at least he will sort of downplay anything that's even more aggressive so that's why i sort of you know i don't take um some of the chatter about a 50 basis point uh, rate hike too seriously because almost it'll almost be reeking of panic i think
2: what do you think the Fed is really focused on right now? Is it just price pressures, the risk of further inflation? Is it further support for the labor market? What's really driving the Fed right now in your view?
11: Can I say all of the above? I think okay. it's, it's got to be inflation. Hmm. Like first and foremost, I think it's got to be in inflation. It's just been – they have a very unwavering focus right now on inflation. And after being accused of being you know um, asleep at the wheel, I think they're trying to sort of catch up right now, and especially – when you had CPI hit, what was it, seven percent in December, the highest and since uh, since '82, um, you know, and it, you saw the price pressures hit, you know, a, a broad range of of of, of products. Um, so the supply bottlenecks are still making it worse, and and even though, but the good news I would say is that at least we are seeing some little glimmers of uh, little signs that. They are starting to ease a little bit. We're seeing it in some of the surveys as well, so that's you know that's that's good news. But of course, as you're mentioning, the job market is still super super tight. Unemployment rate you know near a two year low at 3.9 and, percent, and we're trying we're and we're probably, plus we're probably starting to see some of the second round effects showing up on the wages with. Employers basically rolling out the red carpet, you know, throwing out the red rose petals yeah. to lower workers with higher pay. And, and that's going to cause inflation to even rise even further. So I think that's the big focus is just is basically inflation and the job market.
2: Lots to unpack as Chairman Powell addresses reporters at 2.30 this afternoon after the Fed policy decision at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Full coverage coming up. Bloomberg Surveillance, a special edition, 1.30 Wall Street time today on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Ahead of that, Jennifer Lee of BMO. Thanks for the preview. Karen.
1: Nathan, it is 554 on Wall Street. It's time for the Bloomberg Law Report brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. And let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger.
5: Biden administration is withdrawing its COVID-19 shot or test rule for workers at large employers after the Supreme Court blocked the measure from taking effect. Citibank, South Dakota-based credit card division is asking a Washington state trial court to overturn administrative rulings that it owes business and occupation taxes on revenue from activities in Washington. A state judge in Arizona rejected a bid by Google to end the lawsuit by Arizona's attorney general that claims the company's location tracking misleads consumers bloomberg law everything you need all on one legal research platform including guidance analysis and bloomberg market intelligence find out more at bloomberglaw.com
1: all right jeff thank you now another legal story we're watching more than 40 years after first considering affirmative action the supreme court has agreed to hear two cases that could mean the end of race conscious admissions the cases challenge admissions policies at Harvard College and the University of North Carolina. They want to overturn decades of Supreme Court precedent that allow universities to consider race to help create a diverse student body. For more on the legal battle, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Audrey Anderson, who heads the higher education practice at Bassbury and Sims. What was your reaction
0: to the court taking up affirmative action? Were you surprised, concerned, unfazed? Well, Jim, you know, I wasn't surprised that they
10: granted review of the cases because some of the steps they've taken along the way. They asked for the views of the Solicitor General, wanting to know the United States government's views in the case, which is one clue that they're interested in the issue. And then they had actually looked at the petition at more than one of their conferences. So for two weeks in a row, they had considered the petitions. So when they granted it, I was not at all surprised. I am concerned for the longevity of affirmative action in college admissions, given that they have now granted review of the case, but we will see what happens.
0: So the First Circuit affirmed the decision for Harvard's admissions process, and the Fourth Circuit hasn't decided the University of North Carolina case yet. So there was
11: no split in the circuits, which often leads the Supreme Court to step in. Is the Supreme Court sort of jumping the gun?
10: This is an unusual circumstance for them to be granting review of the case. Usually the court would not grant review where there was no split in authority. And that's one of the reasons why I'm concerned about the longevity of affirmative action. There really is no good reason to grant review here unless at least four members and likely five members of the court think that the decisions below are incorrect and they want to overturn them. That's the only reason that they would grant review of these cases.
1: That's Andre Anderson, who heads the higher education practice at Bass, Berry & Sims, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. Futures are higher this morning. S&P futures up 59 points. Dow futures up 338. And NASDAQ futures up 275. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg.